Welcome to the Nova Church's podcast. We are a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural church in Alexandria, Virginia. Join us at 11 a.m. on Sundays. For more information, go to www.thenovachurch.com. We're excited to share this week's message with you. God bless. Good, good. As our teams are transitioning at 11.20 in just two or three moments, they should all be finishing worship in our live campuses. And uh, what a great opportunity it is today to join us if you are on our Facebook Live or Instagram uh, or whether you are on our Zoom. We welcome you today and we welcome all of our campuses in this tremendous, this, uh, tremendous day of uh, welcome to Digital at Nova. So... Um, here we are, and uh, we are thrilled that you are uh, you're joining us. I've got a few uh, kind of announcements for us today, and that we will kind of go through over and over. And uh, I will say that if you are not in any of our communications, we encourage you to sign up, and you can get more information on our Facebook. But if you text eight one zero one zero, and you put at my Nova, you sign up to our text message announcements. And all more, there's more information on our Facebook page as well. So I definitely would encourage you to do such as we are uh, in this season of transition. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But why don't you, if you are live in one of our house churches throughout Northern Virginia or whether you're home, uh, give somebody a wave. And I think that you should even be able to wave to somebody uh, on the Zoom stream. Say hi, good to see you. Uh, give somebody a, a miss you. And if you're home and uh, on the Zoom, you can un-video uh, yourself and give somebody a wave there as well. But uh, we're thrilled. This is an exciting day for our church and uh, such an exciting day overall. And I believe all of our groups are now finished with worship and we are live and ready to go. Fantastic. All right. So welcome. Welcome to Nova Church. We are thrilled and we are so excited again. And uh, let me let me first and foremost say that uh, I am so excited for all of our house churches that are meeting all throughout Northern Virginia. Thank you to our hosts. Thank you to each and every person who is hosting uh, at their home and our groups that are moving. And if you did not make it to uh, a group, we're still thankful you're there. And uh, this, is, uh, this is an exciting day for us. So uh, as we get ready to go into the word of the Lord, uh, if you do have your Bibles, and I encourage you to do that, whether it's digitally or whatnot, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 14 this morning. And uh, <clears throat> while you do that, I am so, so thankful. I want to give a, a special shout out as well to Brother Jordan Nash, who if you've seen all of his digital setup, you would be unbelievably impressed. This morning, I looked at him and says, I can't believe you have all this stuff. And uh, he just is remarkable and has done a great job helping us set up. And to all of our other tech team and ministry have put in a lot of hours. Uh, I am very thankful for all of this in terms of uh, putting this into play. So uh, first and foremost, I want to say good morning to our Nova Church, Nova to all of our campuses, to our online Facebook, to our Instagram. And uh, as we continue to work on this, uh, today is the very first service of our digital campus launch, is how I'm looking at this. And so uh, everyone can go ahead and uh, clap your hands. Congratulations. We have launched a second campus online. 
And uh, although this was not a intentional launch, this was definitely something that we actually had been talking about. And uh, today, uh, we are not able to have church in William Ramsey. And because we're not able to have church in William Ramsey Elementary, due to uh, our world and what's going on with that, we know that uh, we uh, are in a season of transition. And so I am very thankful as it's a fluid situation, uh, as we are in a unique season and we're in a unique times. And when I got the email Friday from William Ramsey saying the school system is being closed down, I immediately called the administrator and said, does this mean that we can't have church this Sunday in like 48 hours, 46 hours? And he says, yeah, it's done. And uh, he said at this point, just for we're clear for Nova Church, um, he said we are going to the next Sunday available at this point is April 19th. Um, and so we said, well, we can't have a month without church. What are we going to do? And we are in a day and an age in which we can have house church. And it reminds me of the book of Acts, that when they went house to house, amen? And uh, so today and for the next few weeks, we have started our online, Nova Church Online. And whereas some people have canceled church, uh, today we decided to take this opportunity and launch an online campus. And again, I'm so proud of the team for making that happen. So today, today is the 75th day of 2020. Somebody say 75. 75. 75. 75 days. Can you believe it, right? Uh, we have been 75 days into this year. And if you would have told me 75 short days ago, 11 weeks ago, that we would be doing this and the state of the world would be where it was, I, I wouldn't have believed it. I said, that's impossible. It's crazy. It's, it's, it, 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 you can't even, that's the, the odds are, have got to be min, minimal. 75 short days ago, 11 weeks ago, I would have said that's impossible. Ponder with me just a moment. 11 Sundays ago, 11 short worship services ago, 11 very short sermon messages ago, Brother Mike Williams, 11 short messages like today's. Yet here we are, the world has changed. It is, I think, beyond safe to say, and I have said it to our team and to leaders, I said it while I was preaching this weekend, that it is a watershed moment in the history of our generation. A landmark, a milestone that people will talk about. History is being written right now. Like where you were on September 11th. Anyone that lived through it can tell you the day. They can tell you the moment they heard the news. They can tell you the location. They can tell you exactly where they were when they found out planes had hit the World Trade Center. You could tell probably even the events of the day of where you went. You could begin to recall the feelings of the fear and the unknown. It's probably other people can think of other watershed moments, milestone moments. If you live through Y2K, when the clock struck, you would think, oh, I, I can remember where I was. If you are slightly older, you could remember perhaps other moments when the wall fell down in Berlin, 
when JFK was assassinated or when Martin Luther King, the Reverend MLK Jr., when he was assassinated, they could tell you where they were. This today is where we find ourselves in a place where history is being made, where the world is looking very, very different 75 days into 2020. The stock market is dropping. The store shelves are empty. Can I get a witness, somebody? I went to four stores on Friday afternoon, even one while the president was speaking. Can't find toilet paper. Can't find hand sanitizer. Can't find Clorox. You can't find some basic stuff. And yet, people are rightfully worried. You know, if you would have said this 75 days ago, even a month ago, you would have said that, I just don't believe it. But there is a difference. As the world is beginning to grapple with this new dynamic. Here we are, not even having church, we're having house church in all of our now campuses. I mean, this is probably the most exponential revival growth. I mean, I think we just went from one campus to 10 campuses or uh, however many more. And, and I'm thankful again for you joining us. But as we ponder a moment, I want to talk to you for a second about how this landscape is going to make a big difference. And right now where we are. See, there is a difference. What's the difference, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you asked that. The difference is, is today, I remind each and every one of you who are watching this, that the difference is, is the peace of God that comes from knowing this. God is in control. Amen. God is in control. The unknown and the fear that is rightfully justified and, and, and the precautions being taken, uh, I'm here today to tell you that those are all good, but we actually have something that is a difference maker that maybe the world does not have or the world has forgotten, and perhaps maybe even some people in the church has forgotten, is that God is in control, and we do not need to necessarily be fearful. I tweeted out this morning that the most read scripture in every church in the world and every church in America this morning is going to be God hath not given us a spirit of fear. I guarantee that scripture is going to be mentioned in every service. I don't know about any other scripture, but I can tell you for certain people like me are going to stand up and remind you by the from the top of my head to the soles of my feet with every fiber of my being. We need to remember as people of God, God has not given us the spirit of fear but what of power and of love and ready for this and most importantly and of a sound mind Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by how the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good acceptable and perfect will of God our thinking is different our worldview is different because we have a different filter. And the filter is, is the fear real? Yeah. Is it a real problem? Yeah. Is there precautions that need to be taken? You bet there is. But let me tell you something. We have a peace that is an underlying thing because our view isn't just on the problem, but our view is on the promise of God and the power of God and that God can do amazing things. Somebody say amen. 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 And so therefore we, we, we dive into Romans chapter 12 and 3. And in the New Living Translation, 
It goes on to say, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Say, He's given me. Paul goes on to say, I give each of you this warning. Do not think you're better than you really are. Can I pause and preach for a second on that? Is that oftentimes we have put our confidence in things that can be shaken. And I'm here today to tell you that in the last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And this is a reminder that where your faith has been, has been sorely misplaced if it is in anything other than the things of God. He said, don't think you're better than you really are. In a brief of a moment, in a week's notice, in a month's time, in 75 short days, he said, don't think you're better than you really are. But what you can think is that God is on your side. Somebody say, yeah. Yeah. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Watch this. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Everybody say faith. Faith. Turn to somebody and say faith in our campuses. Turn to somebody else and say faith. Faith. Amen. Faith. We live by faith and not by fear. The Bible declares that we walk by faith and not by sight. When Jesus was comforting his disciples in John chapter 14, he declared, do not let your hearts be trouble. You believe in God, believe also in me. He went on to say in verse 27 of John 14, I'm going to read out of the NLT just for clarity's sake, but it says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. If there's one thing we need to stand on the promises of God, it's this in our word, is that God has given us a gift that the world cannot give. And we don't need to be troubled or we don't need to be afraid that we can have a peace of mind that God is with us. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now, the gospel of Matthew 14 in your Bibles is where we're going to go. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. And the gospel of Matthew is interesting because in 14 the writer begins to describe and to declare what is happening there's a place of transition the crowd has just been impressed with the miracle of feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and the crowd is loving the Lord and they're talking about how good God is and man look at this we need to make him king but Jesus says no 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 it's not about being a king in fact we need to get out of here I've got other stuff I need to do And so Jesus insists his disciples get in the boat. Matthew 14 and 22 uh, in King James, the New Living Translation, I'm going to read both. It, It says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross the other side of the lake. And while he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, it's like a Batman moment, right? I, I, I think of myself of the 1970s Batman. It's like, do, 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 do. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land. And a strong wind had risen. And the Bible says they were fighting heavy waves. Let me pause for a moment. As wind... And the storm can occur. 
See, when I was in Israel last year, uh, we took a boat ride on the very same lake. And while I was in the boat, I was thinking to myself, I couldn't get the story out of my mind of Jesus walking on the water because I was sitting there thinking to myself, this is the very place that it happened. And I'm on the boat out in the middle of the lake and I'm thinking to myself, here's the storm. Where are the disciples? And as they're sitting there, I thought to myself, I could get the picture of how the storm happens. Because what you don't get and what you may not know is that the lake isn't just a lake. It's the Sea of Galilee, as known as Lake Tiberias. But it is the lowest freshwater lake on earth. See, the lake, the lake, the Sea of Galilee, it's the lowest lake on the planet. And it's the second lowest lake in the world. It's the lowest freshwater lake on earth. It's the second lowest lake in the world. The Dead Sea is actually the lowest place. And we find that it's in this low place that you can't see what happens because it's so low and the ridge is so high that a storm can come just like that. It can be there in just a moment. Unlike if you were in a natural distance in geography, you'd be able to see a storm coming from a long way. But because it's in a low place, storms can come over the ridge and you can find yourself facing something that you didn't see coming. And yet here we are finding the disciples in a low place. See, they're in the lowest place. And sometimes in low places, God can teach us the greatest lessons. Low places are not absence of God's presence. Low places aren't absent of God's power. And we need to remind ourselves that God put them in the low place. There are storms in life that God puts us in. But consider the storm. See, it's the storm that they are facing. And in our life, there are a couple types of storms. There are storms of correction, which nobody likes those. Can I get a witness, right? Jonah was in a storm because of disobedience. King David lost all four of his sons due to a storm of correction. Samson was taken captive, eyes plucked out, and made sport because of his decisions and associations. There is a type of a storm that is a storm of correction. That usually is designed to get people's attention, to correct their path, and to help them to understand, to realize themselves. And the reason they're in that storm is because, not because God's mean, not because God's mad, actually it's on the contrary, but because we serve a God that is loving and merciful and doesn't want to see them lost and doesn't want to see them in pain, he says, I'm going to send a storm of correction because I'm long-suffering and merciful. Thank God today that he's given mercy and he's given grace. And even in the middle of our storm today, in the middle of 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, if people are in a means of correction, God can begin to help them out with that. And God can begin to help them turn around. 
and God can correct their path. But there's a second storm. It's a storm of perfection. The storm of perfection is something that we all have to face. It's when the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And if He brought you in, He can bring you out. Jesus always comes to us in the storms of life. He may not come at a time when we think He should, but He always comes when we need Him the most. It's like that old song, He's an on-time God, oh yes He is. He's an on-time God, oh yes He is, right? He's an on-time God. And I'm thankful that He's an on-time God that He's always right on time. And we don't need to worry in this case about timing, but we do need to focus on trusting. Jesus waited until the boat was far from land, as far as possible, so that all human hope was gone. In Matthew chapter 14 in your Bibles, follow with me. For it says, meanwhile, in verse 24, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. And about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Get the picture that he's walking on the water in the middle of the night at three in the morning. That means that they had been out on the water for a long time. They had been struggling and fussing and doubting and worrying and probably in fear for a long time. And yet here we find Jesus begins to walk on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they are no longer just terrified of the storm. The Bible says they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out and said, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, do not be afraid. He said, take courage. For I am here. The very thing that they were fighting is the very thing that he was walking on. The thing that was causing fear is the very thing that he was showing he had control and authority over. If that's not a powerful uh, picture, that whatever you're, in, whatever you're facing today, he is walking on it. He's got authority on it, and he's got control on it. But hear me say, but before he addressed their circumstances, he comforted them with the word. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Hear me today. We can take, soul, we can take uh, uh, comfort and solitude in the low places the storms and in the unknown and in the perils of life that we can stand on the promise. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. The same I am who was with Moses that when he asked, what should I tell them your name is? I am that I am. He said, I am is here. They should have tied that together that it wasn't just I am Jesus here, but I am here as I am that I am. The God of Moses, the God that delivered Egypt, the deliver out of bondage, the deliver into freedom, the deliver out of captivity, the deliver out of fear. That deliver, I am 
I am here. See, when you get the picture of I am, he's not just referencing the fact of his physical location, but he's referencing his deity of saying, not only am I here, but I am here. I am walking on the water. You better recognize in your situation today that I am is in the middle of your storm. He is in the middle of your situation. He's in the middle of this. And if you can begin to take solace that the I am, the same I am that did it for them is about to do it for me, that's comforting somebody. And Jesus is the comforter. And in John chapter 14, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him, neither knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. And I will come to you yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more, but you see me because I live and you shall live also. And at that day, you shall know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Today, if you're looking for comfort, what you need is the Lord living inside of you. You need the Holy Ghost. You need His Spirit living inside of you and you can receive that. And if you haven't received it, you can receive it right there in your living room. You can receive it right there in our live campuses in each and every group right now. You can receive a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost. And I wonder right now if you would just close your eyes and if you are facing fear, if you could begin to say, God, give me a fresh comfort. I wonder if right there in your living room, you could begin to say, God, in the name of Jesus, I need your spirit living inside of me. And you can begin to receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. You can get a fresh touch right there in your home, in your bedroom, in your living room, in your dining room. I'm here today to tell you, if you will close your eyes, God can begin to fill you with the Holy Ghost right there. I feel that God can begin to move. He is not restrained by parameters or location, but God can begin to touch you right where you are in the name of Jesus by the power and authority of the word. God, I pray that you begin to send the comforter, God, begin to fill people with the Holy Ghost in each and every one of our locations. Go ahead and raise your hands in your living room right now and begin to declare it in Jesus' name, God. I receive, God, this fear. I rebuke the fear. I do not need to be afraid. I take comfort because I am here. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The test of our faith is sustained when He comforts us. And thus when Peter calls to Him and says, Lord, if it's really You, bid me to come walking on the water see that's the beauty of faith is not only did he say hey tell me to come but let me walk on the water let me do what you do verse 29 jesus says yes come so peter went on the side of the boat and he walked on the water towards jesus but when he saw the strong wind and the waves he was terrified and began to sink save me lord he shouted And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed his hand. And he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Obviously, I could preach and talk at length and preach this part of the experience. And although I would love to talk, and I just want to remind you that there's a power in keeping your eyes on Jesus and not on the storm. Yes, we live in the world, but we are not of the world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
and my hope is in eternity. My hope is with Jesus. And, and I take a great comfort and great peace knowing that I can keep my eyes on Jesus. And I, when I keep my eyes on Jesus and not on the panic, it gives me peace. And I need to keep my eyes on Jesus and not the pandemic, not the storm, not the waves, but keep moving towards Jesus. If you have a moment this week and you just get to that point where you feel like you're about to lose it, you feel like you're at the end of your rope. Let me tell you what you need to do. Listen to pastor. You need to take off all media. You need to get into a place. Put your headphones on. Go find a room and begin to turn on some worship music and begin to close your eyes and begin to worship God. And as you begin to do that and you'll enter into prayer, you're going to begin to say, God, comfort me. Give me peace. I'm telling you, you'll begin to feel the peace of God and the strength of God right where you are. It doesn't matter if it's your home, in your car, in the location. If you feel like you're about to panic, get your eyes on Jesus. Amen. And I'm here today to tell you, you'll find the peace of God. Amen. But there is an interesting thought in this that as Jesus goes, and you can talk about the glory of Peter walking on the water. But what's fascinating is, is as he does such, the Lord rebukes him. For this little faith. Doesn't it seem like a rather paradox that at some point Jesus even uses a little faith? If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you could speak to a mountain remove. And here, Peter has faith. Peter has so much faith that he's literally walking on water. Thus, you may ask yourself in the message, why would he rebuke him? Because in other places and to other people, he tells them, have a little bit of faith. Even borrow the faith of somebody else. When I was praying about this, the Lord showed me it wasn't the fact that Peter had little faith, but he had diminishing faith. And diminishing faith goes to doubt, which is why he followed up with, why did you doubt me? It wasn't the fact that he had little faith. It was the fact that he let his faith diminish to the point that doubt began to take over. When doubt begins to take over, we need to remind ourselves, he's still in control. He's still got me by the hand. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what happens, I've got a word for somebody. He's still in control. Take courage. He is here. Amen. And so verse 32, as I get ready to, to tie this up, is when they climbed back into the boat and the wind stopped. The disciples worshipped him and said, you really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 14, why would Jesus intentionally let his followers go through such a fearful situation? Look at what happened when he saved them. The disciples worshipped him and declared, you really are the son of God. You probably got to be wondering, didn't they know that already? Hello, McFly. I mean, get the picture. Hold on. This event happens at like three in the morning, 12 hours earlier. If that, who knows? Eight hours earlier, they watched Jesus feed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish that they gave out more part of the miracle. Didn't they know that he's already amazing and already God? Didn't they know that? Well, I think that there's something that you can understand about human nature. 
See, in provision, it impresses, but oftentimes it fades and it doesn't influence. God, I'm thankful you gave me the job, but after a while you're like, yeah, it's just my job. God, I'm thankful you gave me the car, but when the car is no longer new, it's no longer impressive. God, I'm thankful that I've got food, and in today's day, that's something you ought to be thankful for. If you don't pray over your food, you ought to be praying and thanking God. God, I'm thankful I've got food. You may want to thank him you've got toilet paper. Can I get a witness, somebody? Okay, that's too far. I crossed the line. All right, back to where we are. Stake to the notes, Pastor. Hey, it's just like live in church. Here we are. Okay. You would think, though, that the disciples would have been impressed. They just were seen one of the greatest miracles of the New Testament, the provision of God. And I'm not talking last week, last month, last year. Eight hours ago, 12 hours ago, they watched the miracle happen. But see, provision impresses, but it does not influence. It does not sustain. But protection in peril will transform a paradigm. See, provision didn't transform their paradigm. They didn't say, man, you really are God. Look at this. They said, wow, that's cool. That's a good trick. That's amazing. But in protection, in the middle of chaos, you begin to realize God, you really are the Lord. And with each new encounter, Jesus increased their understanding and deepened their experience of him. And by God's grace, they have been given the opportunity through fearful circumstances or a storm of perfection to perfect their faith, to come to know Jesus at a deeper level and to worship him. And to know that he is the Lord. And he is the King of Kings. And he is the Lord of Lords. And he still sits on the throne. And he still has power. And he still has power over all things. And he wants us to discover this morning that he is still bigger than our fears. And he invites us to praise him in the middle of this storm. Because we are protected by God. And his protection is going to take you to a new level in your relationship with God. And you're going to get to see a whole new understanding. That God, I'm thankful for the provision. I'm thankful for what you blessed me with. But there's a lot of times that we haven't had to really lean and rely on the providence and the protection of God. Now is our time to see that God is still a protector. Like he did in the Bible when he said, you are my refuge, my strength, my rock, my fortress. How many of us can say, oh, God's been my rock, my fortress in the middle of peril, in the middle of enemies, in the middle of attack. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I'm here today to tell you that God's got a plan and a purpose and he's going to change our perspective through this entire situation that you're going to lean back and say, let me tell you what he's done for me. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. But I remind you of the word of the Lord that God gave me last week, that when we are no longer fearful, then we will be fruitful. When we are no longer fearful, we do not have to be fearful because he's given us a spirit of peace, power, love, sound mind, knowing that he is in control. Today, right now, all across every house and every campus, I wonder if you would bow your heads. And I wonder if you would close your eyes for just a moment. And as I pray over you, and then I will turn it back over to our groups, I want to remind you that God is still on the throne. Amen.
Would you pray? Lord, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, we would have never guessed 75 days ago that we would be here in this situation. And yet here we are standing on the rock and standing knowing that, Lord, we still worship you and love you. And God, we trust in you. We do not lean to our own understanding and we acknowledge you in all our ways, God. And we trust that you are going to direct our paths, order our steps and give us peace. Give us peace that passes all understanding. And Lord, at every campus right now, in every house, God, in all six, seven locations, God, I pray, God, that your power and your peace, God, would be present in that room. God, in every house and every living room right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do. And I believe, God, and declare that, Lord, your power, God, we are reminded that your power, it does not fade and it does not waver. Even in the lowest places, we still know that you still have the greatest power for all powers given unto you in heaven and in earth. And we trust in you and we know in you and we believe in you and we lean on you.